Hello and welcome to another episode of the Baby Bed Podcast. I'm Sandeep Rao. It's actually the first one for 2020, so I know we're into the second week of the month. But hey, if you haven't heard from me, a very happy 2020 to all of you listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey podcasting on the Baby Bed for 2019. And I just thought on this episode... I will share the first couple of weeks of the new year, what I did to end the year, and in general, just talk about the situation of where we are, what we are, and what we can look forward to in this new year, because everyone is in that phase of thinking within themselves, introspection, retrospection. So that's what today's episode is about. And of course, if you're a regular listener, thank you. I have got some feedback, which I'll address if you're a first-time listener, thanks for coming on board. You would um, be um, interested to know that I appreciate you listening. <laughs> and of course, if you do like the podcast, do share it with your friends and family. And uh, if you um, want to go one step further, it would be lovely if you can uh, rate and review it on whichever platform you listen to your podcast on. Thank you. See you on the other side. Baby Bed Podcast with Sunday Pro. Baby, check it out. Yes, this is uh, the first episode being recorded in the new year, so it's uh, exciting times. I was thinking, how do I kick it off? Do I stick to the same format? Do I do something interesting? Well, do I change the music which you listen to on the podcast? That's be that's the intro. Um, or do I do something, 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 so it makes you feel like you've come back to something new? Uh, let me address the feedback I got. In fact, what I do is some of the old episodes, I put it up on YouTube. So people who are familiar and more comfortable with that platform can actually click the video, which is actually not a video, but it's a still image of the thumbnail, which I use, the image I use, the creative I use for the podcast. And it just keeps the app open so you can listen to the podcast. And someone who listened to it on YouTube said, hey, would be nice if you added subtitles or some kind of video content because it's a bit boring even though the conversation is interesting. Now to that person um, who I've replied, replied privately to, I, I understand your point because right now we are in that phase where everyone wants uh, audio to be complemented by video. And um, I know there are a few podcasts out there uh, which document the audio conversation so people can engage with video while they're listening to the audio. Um, but I just feel, for me, podcasting is something and uh, something more importantly, which I can do on a regular basis without video because my expertise of video editing and putting together a video is a little hard. So um, I apologize for that. If I do get a team in the near future, I will make sure to video document so you have at least something to engage your site while you're listening to my voice. That is a point noted and appreciated. And keep those comments coming back in, man. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on uh, what I talk about. And of course, if you want me to talk about something that is bugging you, I don't know why you do that because you have your own opinion and your own way of expressing it. But if you want me to talk about it, uh, if it's a larger issue, which uh, is not just um, uh, uh, relatable to you, but it's relatable and applicable to the uh, larger public, I will talk about it. And maybe, for all you know, if uh, it's something that's bothering you, it'll probably be bothering me as well. So that is out of the way and let me tell you how I ended 2019. It was a very interesting trip because my dad, uh, who um, who plans the holidays, 
because he pays for them, wanted to go out of the country. So early September, we were planning to go to Greece uh, because my dad wanted to check out the islands and just, you know, because in one aspect of life, you know, Greek Greece as the Greek myth- the Greek mythology, you know, the Greek gods, you know, all these, uh, these epic sagas that involve Greek heroes and heroines. But um, now if you think about Greece, it's more like, you know, tourism and... Uh, sit on the beach and uh, get cheap flights because their economy is fucked. I like how a country getting fucked up is a you know possible uh, tourist uh, opportunity and uh, opportunity because I suppose they need the money. But Indians love it. Indians are like what a good deal. Their economy is fucked. We will go there and spend our money, which feels stronger. Um, and that's a really fucked up way of looking at it. Right? We love going to countries whose currency is uh, less strong than us. Uh, but another thing is also we feel. Um, it almost feels like the rupee will only do well when other countries get fucked. It's not like the rupee will do well uh, because it's doing better. It's just doing better because something else is doing worse. And you love going to Vietnam and you love going to Sri Lanka. And then finally when Thailand became almost two rupees to the baht, you're like, we'll go nick their dishes and we will ruin their hotels. How dare they succeed in tourism compared to us? Because everyone who travels sounds like my uncle who is a Kanadiga. So we went, um, we didn't go to Greece because it worked out um, uh, to be um, not timely. My sister who lives in Singapore and her daughter couldn't make it. And just in general, it didn't work out. So then we planned for the next trip, which was end of the year, holidays for everyone. And it also so happened that it for, the, the, the trip was planned over New Year's, which was perfect because I didn't want to be in Bangalore during New Year's. It's just too much being thrown at you where everyone sounds the same, every party sounds the same, everyone is talking about the same thing, and everyone is in that kind of feeding and drinking frenzy, which I have no problem with because I like the drinking frenzy. It's just... People who are living abroad come in and they expect all the people who are living locally to be their tour guides. Be like, anyway, you live here, you don't have nothing to do. I'm like, dude, I look forward to December for myself. Just because you have Christmas break and you've come down from Jersey doesn't mean I stop my life for you. And everyone's planning like, dude, you never meet us. I'm like, because come through the rest of the year because I'm pretty free and I have stuff to do. December is a big time for an entertainer. It was the worst December. I think I got one show, which is so fucking, I don't know if it's me or the economy is pretty scary and pretty sad. Uh, so yes, let me get to the holiday. Why am I beating around the bush? I will shave the bush and talk about the holiday. It is um, a very, very uh, memorable holiday for me because we went to Bhutan, my Dad was very keen to go to Bhutan because he wanted to go to a cold place. And that's another thing Indians do, uh, which white people also do, is we like going to um, weather which we haven't experienced. A lot of the Indians who came to Bhutan were like, snow, snow, you know nothing, snow. I'm like, okay, yeah. So we end up Bhutan. A lot of white people come to India or Goa or um, Southeast Asian countries, which are warm throughout the year. I understand, but I also don't understand. Like, why would you go to a, weather, a climate which is not the best for you. Because I suppose white people can handle, like Europeans and Americans uh, can probably handle a little bit of heat, but not that much. You see them getting sunburnt and go out or on the beach in Sri Lanka. They're just like red, skin peeling off. Not a very pretty sight. But they don't get the warmth and they don't get the heat throughout the year. So they come here. Uh, Indians going to a cold country, unless you're going for work. Uh, when I say cold, it's not 70 degrees. I'm talking about freezing temperatures. Not really, we're not really uh, conditioned for that, you know, because um, 
I, I don't know why, because the, the, the Bhutanese cuisine is very rich because they also are hill folk. So they walk around and they eat a lot of the, 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 the curries, which are based on cheese, because it gives them heat and it's spice, which warms them up. And we also have that, but in the heat, like Andhra food in 48 degrees eating chili chicken. I don't know. I don't get the logic with hot food and hot temperature. So we went to Bhutan. It was cold. Uh, the temperature, the forecast temperature was about between minus four and eight degrees over the course of the four days we were there. I'm sounding like a weather reporter now suddenly. So uh, we landed uh, in Calcutta the first day and we spent a day there because my dad is very keen to show us around because he used to go there for work. He used to um, manufacture and supply equipment for ITC, the cigarette company, uh, from many, 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 many years. So he wanted to show us how he would travel, where he would stay, which the office was and where he would go. And so then we did a little bit of a car tour of the city just from the car looking at places because um, all of us are those kind of uh, tourists well oh, yeah it's nice oh, too much crowd we'll just see it from the car with the luxury of air conditioning so we don't have to breathe the, um, the, the, the <laughs> I was going to say breathe the poverty that just sounds like such a fuck all move no we don't have to breathe the congestion and the smoking and then uh, we entered the, this place called Park Street and of course oh, uh, I read somewhere that Calcutta uh, the city's population is less than Bangalore's but it just felt like everyone who lived in Calcutta was on Park Street, man. It was just so chaotic. And if you know anything about me over uh, the, uh, by listening to the past few, ep- many episodes, is I hate crowded places. I, feel, I get claustrophobic. I get very anxious. And for me, it was just, really, this is what I want to do on Christmas or just, yeah, it was, yeah, just after Christmas, uh, 29th. Uh, this is what you want me to do to celebrate the end of the uh, the happy holidays, the season's greetings by being in this kind of, um, swarm of humanity being pushed around and no. So it, fortunately, it wasn't for a very long time um, because then we went to a restaurant which is very famous there called Peter Cat. Love the name. Sounds like um, Tom and Jerry's um, go-to place. Peter Cat. Uh, it sounds very British, very Calcutta. Very, 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 Peter Cat. So how can I help you, sir? Peter Cat. A good... Oh, nah, not that good, the food. I, I I don't know why that particular night I wanted to... Um, I don't know why I went all the way to Calcutta for a chicken sizzler, which, of course, the concept is baffling and it's so Indian, that's why I love it. But it was uh, a really disappointing situation because they gave me um, no options for the sauce and that's all that makes the sizzler... Oh, I mean, I, I know the sizzling sound, of course, I'm sorry, but... Oh, the sauce makes it, man. That's how you can Indianize it more. You can have like a mix of pepper, mushroom, pepper, garlic, garlic, mushroom. Uh, you can also add some chili and uh, you can do uh, so many things and make it more um, Indian and less tasting like meat. And that's why I love sizzlers. They don't taste like meat. <laughs> Just soak the sauce. Soak it with as much sauce and get some mashed potatoes and some onions on the side. And you're set to go, my friend. So ate that last meal and then got a flight the next morning to Paro in Bhutan. And you might have heard about the airport in Bhutan, very um, tricky approach and landing. So that was something which was fantastic because my mom next to me was just like, oh my God, oh no, oh, yo, yo, oh, yo, oh, oh, what is happening? It's hills, mountains, eh, Everest. Eh. But the pilot, I must say, was fantastic. We flew on Bhutan Air. It was just a fantastic landing. And I'm one of those people who's very judgmental of the pilot's landing and how he or she's flying the plane. And this guy was just like so effortless. And it didn't even, I could, I, I looked out of the window. Fortunately, I didn't see anything because I had sent my panic attack through the roof. Um, but we had a good landing. We made there. We stayed uh, the first three days in a place called Timpu, which is uh, the capital apparently, but they don't have an airport. 
Mm. The new king and his family live there in the palace, which is a 3BHK, three-bedroom house, which I'm not even making up. Uh, but I, the first thing that hit me was just the clean air. People were so nice, but as an Indian, you're kind of sus- you know, suspicious of their niceness. You're like, is this one of those Goa guys who will come offering you a SIM card and then bum you up the bum? But they were genuinely nice. They're like, are you waiting for someone? We said, waiting for our taxi to come from the hotel. They're like, oh, anything you need, sir. I have a phone. You can call the person. I'll just wait here. They're like, yeah. what do you mean? You're being so nice. There should be something behind that niceness. There should be an ulterior motive. But that's it. I mean, we said, no, we have a phone. He's like, oh, that's lovely. If you need anything uh, till your taxi comes, I'm here to help. And we were just like, Nyeh, trying to create possibilities of, of him being a tooth and trying to steal from us and just like look at him he's standing alone he's just you know a suspicious kind of hunched over looking he was just literally standing there with a smile on his face and not even like trying to hover around us and we yeah we we, we were being Indian about it we just very suspicious of people who are trying to help so we went to Timpu uh, the drive is really up and down really hilly and you're going you know through very scenic um, landscapes and it's just lovely, you know. I, I kept the window open. I, I I strangely like the cold, but just the perfect amount of cold, like two degrees, three degrees. If it gets to a point where my nose starts running and my, my snot starts freezing and my ears start getting cold, I, I just can't handle it. I need my ears, my hands and my feet to be warm. Uh, then I'm sorted. I can take uh, quite a decent amount of cold, not like Chicago, minus 45 degrees, but I can take a good amount of cold, like minus three, I can, I can manage. Not for long amounts of time, though. So... It took us about an hour to get to Timpu. We were staying at the Tashi, the Taj Tashi. Lovely hotel and very nice. And of course, a lot of people who travel say when you stay in a five-star, you don't get the local experience. You don't get the authentic Bhutanese or the local cultural flavor because people in five stars are trained to be five-star employees. So therefore, they will put on an act and they will follow a script and make sure that you are always right. But since it was very low occupancy, it was one of the lowest seasons for them. It was not too many people. So after like the first day, they realized that it's just us in three other rooms or maybe five other rooms. And they just started like, you know, letting their hair down. They were like, you know, how's it going? And I mean, they were still dressed up as employees of the five star. But just the way the guy who would talk to me when I went out for a smoke, which, by the way, you can do in Bhutan. A lot of people scared me saying you can't smoke. Just that you've got to follow certain rules and smoke in designated areas. Uh, first he was like hello sir I can help you and they were guiding me I was grabbing their arm I was grabbing their arm it was quite romantic for the temperature and uh, the warm sensations but after that he was like how is it going sir how is your thing and they all speak English beautifully because they all uh, get free education till the 12th standard so which is a fantastic thing and one thing uh, and two things I liked about it is that one is that very proud of what they are and who they are in their country um, they're very uh, happy uh, as a country that the model they're following is not just to emulate the US or Europe and get those kind of templatized growth patterns like getting malls, getting um, fast food restaurants, which are the typical uh, entry points for any Western uh, multinational, right? We get Pepsi, Coke, we get like McDonald's, we get Walmart, you get the big companies. So these guys are, they understand the tourism uh, is one of their biggest um, um Big, biggest revenue generators but the biggest is hydroelectricity which they sell to India I, I don't mean to make this like a little do you know this about Bhutan thing but what I liked about it is that they are very um, 
the, the king has these things to take care of his people, right? The population, first of all, of Bhutan, I think, is about 700,000 people. But the nice thing is that free education, free health care. We, in fact, met a, a, a brigadier in the Bhutanese army who had to get uh, surgery on his kidney. And he actually was flown. Uh, the operation was performed. And he his post-care and all his post-checkups, all taken care of the government. It was done in Vellore, which is in Tamil Nadu. And that was pretty fantastic when you can care for the people because... I don't care if you say, hey, man, we're a capitalist economy, we believe in profits, but when someone is no longer a contributing member of society, you leave them to die because they don't have health care. That's a fucked up country. These guys don't have that because they're not following the U.S. model. Uh, free education, uh, and they have a lot more other things. They have really, really um, nice things, very refreshing things which they do for their citizens. Uh, and the second thing, when it comes to tourism, the guy told me, uh, we, we believe in tourism, but we don't want to... Um, ruin what we have because uh, we want more tourists and we want more money that the tourists do. So like for instance, you can't drink off the glacial streams, you can't fish, you can't basically ruin the landscape and and, and their natural beauty. Littering, of course, Indians would find a way, but I, I was very glad to, uh, to, to notice that a lot of people were not doing it. Um, but this guy dropped a line which is very important and very cool to hear from someone who's a tour guide. Uh, typically, he would try to sell more and more things for you to, uh, to visit and see. But he said what we're looking for for the future of Bhutanese tourism is high impact, uh, sorry, um, high value, low impact tourism. So that basically means we control the number of people who come, but the people who do come have to spend a certain amount to be in Bhutan for each day. Uh, if it's a U.S. citizen, I think it's about $250, which you get certain things with, like you get basic accommodation, you get uh, certain access to sites. Uh, I think they're introducing that to Indians, which is very good. The amount's not obviously $250, it'll be lower. But I like that, right? You have fewer people who are more keen to be there for the right reasons and not just because it's a cheap flight, like how they go to Pattaya or to Phuket or to Sri Lanka. But the people who do come, you reward them with certain things, which is the, the, the pristine state of the country. You give them access to things which you are proud of and you give them a certain experience, which is uh, truly yours. But you do make sure that they do pay a certain amount because they're not just uh, flaunting the fact that they can come for free and then as a result uh, ruining the place. So I, I really like that thing about Bhutan. People were very lovely. And of course, you hear all of this. People are lovely. And they genuinely were. They genuinely were very sweet. I, uh, I really uh, enjoyed myself. I actually met a Rinpoche. Uh, it was a good conversation. And um, they're not very uh, commercial about, you know, we could we have commercial gurus in India, you know, who will say the things that you want to hear. But this one, it's almost when you hear about a monk, you think about a person uh, who's just sitting in an isolated monastery and uh, meditating, which they do. Uh, but this guy was actually a person who had spent many years meditating, but now he was in his apartment with his followers. I don't know the name of the followers. The Rinpoche was sitting and went and asked him about my life, and we had a good conversation, and, and, he, and he took a selfie, which apparently he's never done before. So if anything, that's the highlight of my trip. I got a selfie, which I don't have, by the way. I think my wife's deleted it. I don't know what she's done. Uh, selfie with the Rinpoche. But speaking of monks and monasteries, right, uh, there is a very interesting story about uh, this f uh, driver who took us around. Uh, his brother is a monk. And in fact, after dropping us off, he was going to go pick him up and they were going to drive three hours to meet their mother. So I said, how's it going? He was, in fact, talking a lot, which was nice. Uh, and he, I said, you know, the notion that we have is that everyone in Bhutan is a monk. And he's like, no, uh, we, a lot of us follow the practice of Buddhism and we, we kind of have these uh, chants which help us calm down and gives us more mindfulness, and, which is pretty cool. Like that's that's their practice. It's not that it's their stereotype. 
but he, he I, I said, so how is it the culture of monks? And they, they, a lot of people are, you know, they have these prayer flags, they're burning incense. It's a pretty um, amazing thing to see that it's a part of their life, not like how we have meditation apps or go for mindfulness classes. It's it's there in their culture. So even youngsters who are trying to break away from old Bhutanese tradition still have that practice of meditation in their life. So I asked him, how does it go? Does everyone have to go through monk school like Jay Shetty? Have you, do you know Jay Shetty? He's like, who's that? I said, he's a monk and he's like, never heard of him. Um, <laughs> but he said something really interesting. He said one of the biggest problems is um, for the health situation in Bhutan is that the, <laughs> there's a huge uh, diabetic epidemic in the monk community. <laughs> I have found that really uh, not funny, but really interesting that people are going for the spiritual liberation and understanding. And they, because they spend so much time just meditating and they get free food from the monastery, a lot of these guys are developing diabetes. And it's <laughs> just something you never would think of when you think of a monk, right? You're like, oh, he's reached a higher level, level higher plane of existence. And there's like, oh, he's checking his insulin and sugar every day. <laughs> so... Um, that was a lovely experience, man. Um, I don't want to talk about every aspect like a, like a travel show. But if you do have any questions about my trip or you want to find out about anything that I did there, it wasn't like a typical backpacking tour and a backpacking trip. Anything you want to find out, do shoot an email or you can contact me on Instagram at Sopi Rao, on YouTube if you listen to this there, or you can just drop a comment on platform you're listening to on. I don't know how to say it. Whichever platform you're listening to your podcast on, there's a way to get in touch with me uh, at SopiRao or SopiRao at gmail.com. It's my email address. You can write into me. So came back, uh, I think on the 3rd of January um, and um, I had I made absolutely no resolutions this new year because um, there's no point making short-term resolutions when you can actually practice a long-term approach to living your life. So if there's anything um, you can take away from this uh, podcast, that's probably something... I, I'm trying to practice as well. I'm a Rinpoche myself, motherfuckers. Yeah. So uh, that's that. And in fact, something which is exciting uh, that's happening on the 5th of February, I'm actually um, putting out my new special, which I've done a few times, not too many times, not the typical approach to putting out a new special, but I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing a couple of trial runs over the next couple of weeks in Bangalore and Madras. And on the 5th of February, I'm putting that out. It's going to be taped, um, recorded uh, by a camera team at the Bangalore International Center. Uh, the tickets, if you listen to the sh- uh, podcast before the 5th, are on bookmyshow.com. The show is called Thank You, I'm Sorry. There's some early bird tickets as of now. I hope they're still there. And I, Actually, I hope they're not there because that, be, that means people have bought tickets. But I hope you get a, a, a well-priced ticket. It's, uh, I think, 500 rupees if you buy it after early bird. It'd be lovely if you can listen to this podcast and come for the show and then I can put a... Um, name and a face to one of the listeners or many of the listeners. I'd really appreciate it. It's a show about my life. It's almost a show about what I've realized um, and what I've uh, understood about the past 28 years, 29 years of my life with the constant excuses I make, uh, self-loathing, self-doubt, apologizing for the wrong things and apologizing for who I am while thanking people for their approval. It's as the name suggests, thank you, I'm sorry, uh, the relationship I've had and I have continued to have with my mom, the realization with that and my, my dad, that relationship with my sister, with my wife. So it's a very personal show and there are three things I'll guarantee you. It's going to be funny, it's not going to be preachy and it's going to be honest. That's the thing I am practicing when it comes to the guiding principles for my stand-up. And I think um, that's something which I'm trying to practice and adopt on a, on a professional front. And there are ways um, in which these three, two, three guiding things can help in life as well. So 
yeah, I hope to see you on the 5th. And of course, this is the first of many for the year. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate you making the effort. And I really hope um, you enjoy yourselves when you're on and listening to the Baby Bed Podcast. Uh, till the next episode, thank you very much. Goodbye. God bless. Cheers. The Baby Bed Podcast, every Wednesday. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.